show broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia on Rock Radio UK, the Blues Channel. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Tim Woods. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And, of course, we'll be talking with Tim at the top of the hour. Now, this is the Voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. In the meantime, kick back, relax, because I got some great new music I know you're going to love. And some great new artists I just can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave. Away. 
whatever happened to love and devotion? Where did that go out of style? Where was I when they changed all the rules? And whatever happened to love and devotion? Everything comes so easy for you. The world lights up like a carnival when you breeze through. You never see it crashing to the ground the way you do whenever you're, whenever you're not around. Whatever happened? To love and devotion Where did that go out of style? Where was I when they changed all the rules? And whatever happened to love and devotion? With the shade on my life It's hard to adjust To your kind of light You're breathing out pure oxygen And I can't breathe Till I can hold Till I You handed me a 45 and my ball found a grip 
There was a time in this country when smart people were considered cool. Well, maybe not cool, but smart people did things like build ships and pyramids, and they even went to the moon. I would have be done with this ache that you left. 
with us now But the pain's getting worse I'll send an SOS out I need to call a code blue
moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
crooked path But I'll see you again someday Cause life ain't worth a shit If you can't look fair in the eyes And say your peace and speak your mind And learn again to try I've got stories I could tell you Of heartache, fear and pain But you've got stories just like mine Stories I could tell you of 
heartache, fear and pain But you've got stories just like mine In the air we're all the same in the sky I'm getting confused Is that yours or mine? Damn right Some spying going on Well shoot He's as dead And come on home Life is too hard here On the ground James Bond got old lady Shake, gonna scream my name. 
make you shout now, honey. Gonna make you shout. Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the indie revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Tim Woods. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. Everything you need, I'll be there 
Woods from his brand new release, and we got Tim on the line right now. Hey, Tim, how are you? Hey, hello, Richard. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Now, we always like to start things off by giving our fans the opportunity to get to know who you are, not only as an artist, but as a person. And the best way to do that is to look at your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of Tim Woods. Okay, let's see. Well, I don't want to tell you when I was born, but (laughs) how about when I started my music career? Um, I was about 15 years old. Um, It's been about 46 years now that I've been playing music. Um, But I, I grew up in western Pennsylvania. Uh, east of Pittsburgh, and uh, started playing, you know, in the 70s, I started, you know, was playing in like blues, psychedelic band, you know, doing that kind of thing, and uh, kind of just, you know, was influenced. First, I was just a uh, kind of a roadie for a band, you know, that was, and then finally they let me, they let me join the band once I got a little bit older, but uh, I just, started soaking all that music in and we were doing a lot of willie dixon and that kind of thing then uh when i was about 18 years old uh, my family we moved down to macon georgia i was down there and i um started working i worked in a nightclub down there and i was kind of like a kind of a gopher there like i set up i worked for all the bands bands like sea level you know with chuck lavelle and all them and um you know, a whole bunch of grinder switch and a lot of the groups there in this big nightclub down there. So I did a lot of, you know, help them with the advertising. I did announcing, I announced the bands that came in and I did, um, you know, DJ work for them. And I did a little bit of everything there as they brought these national acts in. So that was a really good experience for me. Then I moved down to Florida and I joined joined a band down there and um, <clears throat> was there for a few years. And then I moved back up to Pennsylvania again. And then I started started my own band, Tim and the Tornadoes, then. And uh, I had to change that name because there were, after that, the Texas Tornadoes came out and some of the other names. But I had had Tim and Tornadoes since that was the early 80s. And um, so then... Then I just kept playing, and I started developing my singing and everything, so I just kept playing, and then before you knew it, you know, um, now, bringing it to now, um, well, I I, I did my first album, I recorded with uh, people like Honey Boy Edwards, John Primer, Bob Stroger, a whole bunch. I had 16 artists on that first album. I went, uh, Big Jack Johnson's on, I went down to um, Clarksdale, Mississippi and Chicago and Georgia. And I recorded this album. This was on in 2010. And, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun doing, you know, working with the, all those guys. And, uh, I first started, you know, photographing them as well. And, uh, then, you know, just eventually we recorded. And, uh, so then at years later, I started making, my own records, you know, of, of my own songs. So I wrote, uh, you know, every album I've written all my songs on since then. Um, but, uh, and then I also have a band, so bringing it to now, I have a band with my son, 
both my sons are professional musicians. So um, my one son, we have the Woods Family Band, um, and sometimes both of them are there, and then sometimes my son Derek is with us, and Ryan, they all have their own bands and everything. So a lot of times Ryan can't be there, but we, we play all over the area and, you know, even out of state and everything. We, but we have such a good time. It's really a, a great thing uh, having my sons performing with me. Cool. So, now, yeah. So, uh, uh-huh. Now let's talk about the new release. Um, yeah. If uh, if you were to give someone that that pitch, you know, tell them about this release to get them excited about going out and listening to it. What would you tell them? Yeah. Well, I would say. Um, you know, for them to give it a listen, I have some special guests on there. I have a guy named Paul Hornsby. He um, he's on there. Uh, he produced all the Marshall Tucker and played on all that stuff. Charlie Daniels, and he was in the band with Greg and Dwayne Allman before the Allman Brothers, the Hourglass in the '60s. So Paul has a big history, and he was a Capricorn engineer there as well. Just a great musician, and I've always looked up to him through the years you know i've always all the albums that he worked on you know he was just somebody that i really admired in the in the industry he's on there um and performing on the title track and then i have a guy named eric lawrence on there he's a saxophone player he was in levon helms midnight ramble band um and he was you know plays on that and then bobby lee rogers a great multi-instrument instrumentalist this guy is amazing and he's um he produces the record and um he's now in a band called jazz is dead with alfonso johnson steve kimock pete lavazzoli and they've been doing a big national tour now it's playing grateful dead music instrumentally you know without vocal a really incredible band um so those are the people that are on this record, and uh, so I would tell people, yeah, give it a listen because it's it's my own, you know, own stuff, and I've written all these songs, and uh, you know, I'm real proud of what what we put out. So, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, of course, every good release starts with songs, and you know, yeah, writing those songs isn't is a craft in itself. When you sit down uh-huh. to begin that process, what what do you do to kind of tap into the muse? Well, what I do is I start. It kind of it goes through several processes. I start at home and I I'll write a whole bunch of titles. Kind of I start with that. I'll write some titles and then I go from that. I you know and I'll 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 write it at home. I'll start this whole thing, and then when I'm on the road driving, I keep I start thinking about. You know, I'll just I'll just have my phone beside me, and I just get new ideas as I'm driving, <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of. And I'll add to this thing, and then when I get to the hotel room, I put I get I have this little tiny amp, and I put my headphones on, and and I'll go in there, and I'll just start playing, and I'll kind of put the finishing touches on the songs. Then when I finally get to the studio, um, you know, I'll show Bobby Lee Rogers. The, what I have, the song that I have, and I'll have, every, I pretty much am prepared for that. But then he he gets in there. He can play 
drums. He goes in there and he'll put a drum track on there without even knowing the you know because I'll go over the song with them on the guitar and everything. And he'll say I got it. He'll go down there. He'll put the drums on and um, he lays it all. He he'll lay that drum track down and he'll put a bass track in. And then I'll add the rest of you know what I need to do vocals, guitar, and so it that's where its final stage is, and we kind of we kind of build it right there, you know. Okay. Now, uh, yeah, a lot of songwriters have embraced the technology today as as a tool in their toolkits, whether it's the cell phone or a home recording studio. What yeah. are some of the tools you have found to be indispensable to you as a writer? Uh, definitely the cell phone. I mean, yeah, uh, that has helped me, helped me a lot with, um, with my writing. Uh, only because when I, if, when I'm on a location somewhere, I'll get an idea and I put it into the phone and then I'll come back to it later. So there's a lot of little bits and pieces in there. And sometimes I'll go back and listen to where it originated at and just to hear what, you know, what was there at the very beginning and it's it it really is uh it really connects with what the final product was you know the original idea so i'm happy like about that so it's that's where the cell phone i think mostly at the beginning and paper and pen <laughs> okay well you know yeah one of the big buzzwords in the industry right now is artificial intelligence <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. there are AR, AI tools out there that can help you write lyrics. There are AI tools that can help you write chord structures, melodies, even orchestrations, bass lines. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and, you know, you're looking at, you know, Paul McCartney saying, you know, he's going to utilize AI to bring back John Lennon and, and George Harrison yeah. to put out another Beatles uh, single. Uh, and even Ed Sheeran. You know, who is known as a songwriter, songwriter has admitted on, on Swedish radio that he utilizes some of these AI tools as idea generators. You know what I mean? Right. Um, what do you think of these tools and how they could impact the music industry as we go forward? I think um, it, it can be good and bad. I think that... Uh, some of it should be maybe regulated and when it comes to, you know, getting the real deal. But now, as far as the Beatles, what I heard is they were just taking some hiss out of some of the, you know, tapes that they got out of, you know, John Lennon recording and everything. So I'm not real. But as far as AI, I think it can be good if it's used the right way. Um, you know, but it can... I haven't really... Um, stepped into that territory yet you know to see what it, it has to offer uh so it's not you know not really there for me yet right. but maybe in the future it will be that you know and i hey i'm always opening up doors to to that well, you know i always keep an open mind you know i'm old enough to remember when things like midi first started and first came uh -huh. into our consciousness. And, you know, there was a huge uproar in the industry about how, you know, you're taking away the human feel of music, that you're going to destroy music for all, you know, for all time. Yeah. You know, 
uh, drum machines, the same thing. You know, people were all up in arms that you can't use drum machines because it's not human. It doesn't feel right. It's Yeah, I agree with you. You know, but all these things are now, you know, part and parcel of what we use today in the studio. You know, and if you even go even further back, you know, the, the idea of using a rhyming dictionary or a thesaurus back in the 50s would have been sacrilegious. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't do that. You know, if you can't think of it, don't yeah. use it. Uh, but, you know, they, they become tools. They become standard now. Um, so I could yeah. see AI in the future becoming a a valuable tool for ideas and 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 uh, yeah. kind of fighting the blank page, if you so to speak, you know? Uh-huh. That's, yeah, that's what I think, too. It can be good and bad. I think it can be, there can be tools in the AI that can be used in the process of, you know, creating a CD or, you know, creating a recording. Um, but when it, when it becomes unreal, that's where I, I'm out because I just don't want to, you know, I want it to be real and sometimes you can tell that i i mean i've heard a few things out there where they actually can take an, an artist's voice and change you know and and create it and that i don't know i just don't i don't care for that too much i i would rather hear the real thing right well yeah. now one of the things i think trips up a lot of songwriters is that moment where you have to stop the writing process and you have to allow the yeah. song to kind of move to its next phase of life and production. Of course, it always evolves, it changes, um, but you have to get to that point. What is your mm-hmm. quantifier? What do you use to determine when a song is ready to move to that next phase? Um, like, what do you mean by that? Like, Well, you know, when you stop writing and then you give it to the band or the producer, you take it into the oh, studio yeah. and... You know, you kind of flesh it out from there, but you, you know, you got to get to the point where you feel, okay, this is a good song. This has all the structure I need to kind of take it uh-huh. to that next level. What, what do you do to determine that moment? Um, I usually, I sometimes I let it, let it fall into place, like at the beginning. I let that song. It's almost like giving birth. You know, I mean, you, you let that. Sometimes it's it's not quite the way you thought it was going to be, but then once you're in the studio recording and you're playing, sometimes it takes its own form. And I see it, you know, I can see that song. But I always let the artist, you know, if there's special guests on there, I let them have the freedom of really doing their thing on it because I just believe in that end of art where, every, you know, everybody can... Uh, be freeform that way, you know? Okay. Well, you know, going into the studio becomes another art form in itself, you know? Uh-huh. Having a good song is like half the battle. The other half is giving the identity to not only the song, but as to you, the artist. When you get yeah. in that environment, um, what do you like to do to get that helps you get the sound you're looking for? Um... Well, that, I I do like that comfort. That's why I've been recording with Bobby Bobby Lee Rogers. It's 
I like that comfort zone. I know what I need. You know, over the years, we've worked together on several albums. And now we're to the point now where we just go in there and we know everything's set up. And I'm, I feel comfortable in that environment. So to me, when I, and I've been in a lot of different studios, I like to be able to go into the, go in there and be able to create. It's just a certain, sometimes it's just a certain location or, you know, I, cause I drive all the way to, to near Atlanta, Georgia to record. I just like being there. You know, I could record up in Pittsburgh too, but I, it's just that it's just certain areas that I enjoy doing it at. So, for me, it's location a lot of times to okay. be, you know, being that, yeah. Now, uh, of course, uh, you you got to get it out there uh, once you get it recorded. Uh-huh. Uh, and you're working with Betsy Brown from Blind Raccoon. Tell me about the, yes. that relationship. Uh, I've been working with Betsy since my first album, and I really enjoy working with her. She's you know, she really gets it out there, and she gets gets the information to me. And so she's been really, she's been somebody that I've really enjoyed working with over the years. Um, you know, I highly recommend her. Okay. Now, um, yeah. of course, what what's the lineup on this? Who's playing on it? Well, like I said, I have... Um, Bobby Lee Rogers plays, he produces, and then he plays on it. And then Paul Hornsby, Eric Lawrence, and that's pretty much it on this. Um, my last album, I had my two sons on there, but they helped me in other areas, and you know, but they're not on this record because they're, they're making their own records now, too, and everything. So they're, they've been real busy. Um, but, yeah, so... Paul Hornsby, Eric Lawrence, a great musician, great saxophone player, who's played with many people. He's he's a uh, he's been around a lot, you know. That played with many musicians as well as um, Levon Helm. Um, but yeah, those are who's on there at this one. So that's kind of uh, Bobby and I just kind of put these songs together, and then uh, Paul and Eric, they both did their parts in different locations so we weren't able to all come together for that so they uh paul has his own um studio down in macon georgia muscadine studios mm-hmm. um and then eric did it up in pittsburgh so yeah so they kind of put their parts in and then we mixed it and everything and uh i thought the final product come out pretty cool so okay yeah now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the industry as a whole. Uh-huh. Uh, we all know that the elephant in the room here is the fact that the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. And, you know, yeah. for them, it's a win-win. It's, you know, for 10 15 bucks a month, you have access to pretty much everything that's been recorded in the last 100 years. You don't have to store it yeah. anywhere. You don't have to uh, keep it on a shelf. You don't have to, you know, you know, clog up your device with, you know, downloads. It's just too mm-hmm. convenient and it's too economical to, to give up. Uh, so we are faced with this as a reality as musicians that it's not going to change. 
you know, vinyl isn't going to save our asses. I don't care what anybody yeah. tells you. Um, you know, yeah. The only reason it is outselling CDs at this point is because of the fact you can't buy a CD player. You can't get one in your car. You can't. A lot get one of that's going on. Yeah. You know, once that hardware is gone, the software is not far behind. Uh, in fact, the only place right. I know that you can get a CD player is at Goodwill or a thrift store. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Uh, but now uh, the problem is, is that recorded music has been downgraded. It's no longer a product. It's not something yeah. that people want to purchase. They they rent it. It's a service now. Um, mm-hmm. If you know, if you decide not to participate in the streaming revolution, then someone goes to look for you on Spotify, and you're not there. You then become irrelevant. Um, yes. You know, we're talking twenty thousand songs a week are being uploaded to these services. There is so much music out there that you could easily be passed over because of the fact that you're not there. You're not present in this world. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's not sustainable. We can't continue to go on uh, paying musicians at a point where they can't even break even on their projects. What do you think needs to yeah. happen to change that? Um, well... In my case, I, I'm i still making these CDs because I keep pushing back on that because I love to do the artwork and I love to, you know, some of my albums I've done my own photography on and, uh, you know, I'd love to, for somebody to hold something in their hand and there's people that are buying, still buying my CDs, you know, at the shows and everything. But like you said, it, a lot of the cars don't have, you know, a lot of, People don't have CD players now, and I'm starting to find that out. And I'm also in the digital world, too. So I go through a company, CD Baby, and they actually have several, um, you know, places to stream, you know, to to buy digitally so um, that you can go through them. So I'm in that world as well. But, you know, it's kind of one of them things that you just kind of keep, and, and I don't. I think it loses quality too when it's out in the digital world. I mean, oh, the the music yeah. kind of I mean, the sound does. I mean, I, I yeah. I've been a recording engineer since 1980, and I'm, yeah. you know, I sit in my studio, like right now, I'm in my studio, and I have literally yeah. tens of thousands of dollars in in preamps, and you know, I've got you know, these expensive focal speakers that you know, I use to mix and master. I got, you know, JBL yeah. 311s. You know, I, I mean, I have a whole uh, array of things to to dissect each nuance of a, of a mix. And uh-huh. it all gets bumped down to an MP3, you know, streaming at yeah. 128 to 320, you know. And... You know, it's it's frustrating that that that's where we are, but there is some technology that really looks like it may change things. Um, yes, one of them being the that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> 
Well, you know, if you look at the digital revolution, I mean, just in the historical aspect of the last 25 years, let's say, you know, we look back and I can see the road to where we are today is littered with companies that look like they were going to dominate the industry forever and are now laying upon on you know on the roadside you know kind of you know broken down right. and, and you know you got LimeWire and Napster you know they're the ones who kind of started things off with the file sharing you know and then all right. of a sudden you know iTunes comes along with their 99 cent downloads and you know the iPad and all that good stuff and I mean yeah I mean you know who uses an iPad now you know, everyone is screaming, yeah. you know, Apple's going to own the industry forever, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, and then when it even goes to YouTube, you know, the artist, that's why the artist needs to get paid for some of this stuff that they're making. And, you know, some of them they're able to get for nothing. Like, I mean, next, I mean when it hits YouTube, too, I mean, you get a little bit out of it, but not, you're not buying it, you know, and that that's you know, gets me, you know, it really does. Well, I mean, and let's face it, I mean, the streaming revolution, it's its not only affecting the music industry, it's affecting the movie uh -huh. industry, uh, the television industry, everyone is being streamed at this point. Um, right. You know, fortunately, the movie industry and the TV industry figured out how to you know, monetize this properly and, and they're still paying their actors and their support people, you know, the same kind of pay scale they were getting before, you know, streaming took effect. So they've right. kind of found a way to make it work. I don't understand why the music industry can't do the same thing. You know what I mean? There's got to be, you know, too bad there isn't somebody that's controlling that, you know, a quality control. Well, somebody the problem that actually is, is gets being controlled by these corporations, and of course, corporations exactly. are, oh, yeah. are profit motivated. Just like Spotify, uh -huh. if we don't participate, we're kind of lost. If we do participate, we're not getting compensated properly. Uh, I mean, yeah. the Music Monetization Act was a good first step, but it didn't go far enough. It didn't take yeah. to, the, to the point where. You know, you've got the owner of Spotify is now making more money than maybe the top 10 or 20 artists on the platform, you know, and uh -huh. that's something that's just definitely wrong. Um, yeah, there's so many good musicians out there that it, that, that should be heard, and it's just like, it, that really bothers me that, I mean, there's just, that they're not being able to be heard because there's this control going on in the industry too well one of the things know. i've been watching is these new streaming services that are coming up like audius emanate uh, audio lux uh -huh. uh, and what they are is they're streaming services that are based on the blockchain which is that software technology that uh, cryptocurrency utilizes to secure itself and uh -huh. one of the big advantages of this blockchain-based system is that it is decentralized. And what that means is that no company or person can own this streaming service outright. 
it's owned by the users and by the artists who put up their content. Oh, hey, that's good. Okay, Uh and now the other thing is is they claim that it only takes 20% of the incoming revenue to run the network on these little nodes Uh that are all over the world. And the other 80% can be uh, funneled back to the artists themselves. So this is where uh, I think streaming is headed towards this, I would this love model that. of of you know decentralized music industry. Um, uh-huh. Because I mean, think about it. Every time a songwriter writes a song and goes into the studio and records it, the moment he decides he's going to, to distribute this out to the world, there is a line of people with their hands out. Uh, taking a piece of the pie. Uh, yeah. And that's the big problem with the music industry. Uh, there was an article in Billboard magazine that said of the billions of dollars that are generated by the music industry, only 12% gets to the artist. And that's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, especially now uh. as revenue is decreasing, that 12% becomes even smaller in, in the pocket you know, than it was before. Yeah. Uh, so we definitely need something different. So a different business model for the music industry. Yeah. Now, there's another technology I've been watching as well. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think you'll find this really interesting. There's a site yeah. called Royal.io. And what they let you do is create these non-fungible tokens, these NFTs, that uh-huh. that represent a small portion of your streaming or your publishing royalties, whatever it may be. And one of the rap artists, Nas, what he did is okay. he made enough of these NFTs to cover one half of the streaming royalties on two songs from his last release. He sold these uh. NFTs to his fan base, was able to raise almost $600,000 of upfront income. In addition, had almost 3,000 fans that now had an economic interest in making sure his music uh. is streamed. And to top it off, these things get bought and sold on an open market like stocks. Now, think about it. Uh, If I bought one of those NFTs and let's say I got some of my royalties and I decide, you know what, I'm going to resell it. Well, Nas now gets a commission off that resale price in perpetuity forever. So every time one of these things get resold, he gets a check. Something it automatically triggers what they call a smart contract, which generates a payment to him immediately upon that side. So it's like buying stock in your favorite song by your favorite artist. It's a way to engage your fans into becoming your backers, your your record company, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I mean, a traditional record contract is really nothing more than a bad loan with bad terms, you know? Yes. That's why, I mean, I'm self-released now. I just, uh, you know, you you try to find ways and like what you're saying is really, huh, good. It's an interesting new way of monetizing. 
You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's because we don't have that product standing anymore in, in recorded music. We need to kind of look towards how can we monetize, how can we utilize these technologies to kind uh-huh. of, you know, create a revenue stream that is, you know, composite to, to, the, to the work that we put in to create yeah. this art, you know? Yeah, it's it's really gotten went astray. You know, it's gotten to the point now. Like these artists are working really hard on these recordings, and then it's once it's out there, it's you know they lose control of it. Yeah. Now I mean, and that really. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting world, and I like to see where this ends up in in the future. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm going to look into that. Now, the other thing, um, when the pandemic hit, a lot of artists went on the Internet, started to do live streams. Uh, uh-huh. As time went on, we got a little better at it. But as the months turned into years, um, this whole world of content creation and social media marketing became more important. Uh, a lot of artists started to realize that the fans really wanted more. They wanted to be able to become part of the artists. I guess um, they wanted to know them personally. They wanted to have that connection with them. So artists started putting up content that showed their hobbies and, and things they like to do outside of music. Um, they started to show their their families, their pets, their barnyard animals, whatever it may be. Um, to kind of give their fans this this investment in them as people, as a, and as a brand, you know, branding themselves as to who uh-huh. they are, and because if you really think of it, over the twenty five years, we've been kind of hit over the head with this reality show kind of content for you know for quite some time so you know the fan base is very acclimated to that kind of content um and it mm-hmm. also helps with social media marketing because if you put out content that that is kind of wide in scope it's it you start attracting a wider uh, audience into the top of what i like to call the funnel and as they go uh-huh. into this funnel, they start to realize, oh, he's a musician, too. Oh, he's got song. Oh, he's got a new release. And you distill them down to the core fan base that's going to support you. And the yeah. more people you get into the top of your funnel, the better chance you can siphon them down into that core of uh, artists, to, you know, of, of fans that will support you as an artist. Um, what are right. some of the things that you're doing uh, on social media and with content that's helping you yeah. with your brand and also getting the, the word out for this new release? Well, I'll tell you what's really helped with is Facebook. I mean, I've been able to advertise. And I got a lot of people. And, and then what I did is, you know, when in the release, I showed, said that the release was coming. And a lot of people were interested in that. Then when the final release day came, I put the link to purchase. So a lot of people were able to go either to the digital world or 
poppies and I do my own merchandising, you know, out of my home. And then, so I, it, it's all, um, that's how I've been advertising really on Facebook. Um, now, as far as, um, I had never done live streams during the pandemic or anything. I didn't do any of that, but a couple of weeks ago, my son, two sons and I were sitting around and they said, dad, let's do a live stream right now. And I was like, right now? And they, they said, yeah, let's do it. So we did, we put it on, uh, out in the TikTok world and the Facebook and all that. We played live right there. The three of us just sitting out in the backyard with acoustic guitars. And man, we got a lot of people. Um, so that's, you know, I, I actually enjoy doing that and putting my product out there for people to hear because a lot of people hadn't heard us all three together. They come to the shows from time to time, but to, to actually hear that, us just sitting around the house playing. Um, but that's how I've been advertising for the new album, I'm, you know, getting it out there that way. And of course, um, you know, that it's, it's, it, it's working. I'm, you know, there's people out there that's, you know, uh, interested in it. So, so far, so far, so good. So. There you go. Well, you know, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And it's been oh, a real thank pleasure. Thank you, too, you. Richard. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn up live. Loud. Screw the news. That's right. We're going to have some Turn fun. it up. Yeah, turn it up.
make you shout now, honey. Gonna make you shout. Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the indie revolution.
You got a little fight You throw them knuckles up And it might cost you your life I've been down there one time Barely made it out alive You best listen to me Because dead men tell no lies I said don't go Down to Jonesboro been strong Your kind of love is one where somebody done somebody wrong What kind of fool would hold on Love hidden It fix a broken girl like you Fix a broken girl like you 
Sally, you just ain't no doggone good. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? I'd get rid of you, Sally, if I could. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? There's one thing, Sally, I'm just gonna do. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? I'm gonna get me a woman to treat me better than you. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? Where'd you get your liquor, Sally? Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? All you're good for, woman, is just to get drunk and clown. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? Sally went up the hill with a glass in her hand. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? Find another drink so she can raise some more sand. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? One of these days I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? I'm gonna get a woman to do me right and get rid of you. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown? Sally, where'd you get your liquor from? Where'd you get it, gal? All you're good for, a woman, is just to get drunk and clown. Where'd you get your liquor from, man, downtown?
The moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues? Well, you don't know much about the bees in the dust. Honey, I know you know a lot about love. You're tough enough. shows, curl up in a duvet, maybe even draw up a bath and see where the night takes you. That sounds real nice. Good. Trying to be 
Tonic engine, I love you, I hate you. No, 
sushi You sure seemed like a good idea But it didn't take long to find out I was wrong You're not close to being as good as you first appeared I know you know what I was needing You looked like you were just right
clear Looking in the mirror Trust me, a crook knows another crook Decked out is no doubt You're a certified hustler You know a player, now's a player A psycho smooth customer You're my kind of crazy is my chaos and clutching pearls at the altar I see you know that I know you and you know I got your number we know the skinny we know the scorpion and we know this ain't no fairy tale what could go wrong I'm a pipe bomb
You cry upon 
This is Grania Duffy, I'm an indie blues, and you are live from the Midnight Circus.
Sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. is about to wipe out every living thing on earth. Now what do you suggest we do?
Lady Adrena. I am Indie Blues and you are live from the Midnight Circle. There was a little story a long time ago. It was back in the year of 1994. Sally was a girl who led a simple life. Her mama always said, be sure you knew was right. Nothing is free. You have Just don't want to do right They can treat you so nice And do everything for you Once they get what they want Then let's tell you that they're true When I say it's true to think Tomorrow it won't change Don't you give up no thing Till you get that wedding That he loved Sally so He would ask her for a date She would always tell him no He would say, Sally Sue Why you treat me so mean? He said, I just believe That you only want one thing He said, now baby girl No, that's not true So she went out on a date with him To see what he would do They met Saturday night Around 8 o'clock He pulled up to the house And they went to the blues bar They parted all night To a song and a dance But he just never knew good old Sally never drank On the way back to the house, he stopped by Lover's Lane And Sally said, I told you, no rain, you get no thing No rain, no rain, no thing No rain, no rain, no thing No rain, no rain, no thing I don't see, no rain 
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. La, la. Now let's try it like this. Well, that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, Till next time, this is Lahamadu. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor, things left on with my friend. I gone, lost my dog.